This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. 18th day of October 2021. Beautiful day here in the Northeast, although cold. It uh, feels like fall this weekend, uh, or felt like fall this weekend. And this morning, the lowest temperatures we've had in the morning uh, yet this fall, we were down to uh, 39 degrees when I got up this morning. So actually had to turn the furnace on for the first time. But uh, hey, look, it's in- inevitable, right? It's uh, it's October the 18th. We have not had a, a, uh, a frost up here yet, which is uh, later than usual. There isn't one in the forecast for the next week or so. So um, global warming, I guess. Uh, some sad news to start the show this morning. Uh, Colin Powell passed away. Um, this morning uh, from complications from COVID-19. His uh, family released a statement and said that uh, uh, the former Secretary of State and Joint Chiefs of, uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was fully vaccinated. However, he had also been fighting multiple myeloma for the last several years, so he had that working against him as well. Um, But uh, he was 84 years old, um, you know, again, uh, first black secretary of state that we have ever had, uh, perhaps the low point of his career in the military was when, uh, uh, he made the case for war with the U S and Iraq, uh, when he went in front of the United Nations security council and said that, uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. And uh, as it turns out, he did not have a stockpile of weapons of mass destruction, or if he did, they've never been found. Uh, So unfortunately, that's kind of like the only blemish on his record. But a guy who was a great statesman, I think he was one of the most respected politicians, you know, and, and he really wasn't a politician. He was a career military man. I mean, he did run for president once and, um, you know, wasn't going to get the support that he needed, so he pulled out. But uh, a guy, I think, that could bridge the gap between the military and uh, Capitol Hill and uh, a great American, in my opinion. The whole U.S.-Iraq thing aside, and there's a lot of people that excoriate him for that, I think that's a little bit overblown. That was a case of, you know, our president decided we were going to war because somebody had to pay for 9-11. You know, and that was the bottom line with this whole thing. This was it was an excuse to uh, to go after some folks. They used 9-11. Some of it for George W. Bush was going after uh, and finishing the job that his father did not finish with the uh, 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 Desert Shields uh, in Kuwait or Desert Storm in Kuwait. 
you know, when uh, the Iraqis invaded Kuwait and, you know, it was a quick strike and we pulled out and, you know, it was almost like trying to finish business that his father had started. But uh, again, that's I so I don't blame Colin Powell for that. Colin Powell was doing what he was told to do. He was a good soldier and he was doing what he was supposed to do. So uh, but anyway, he passed away uh, this morning at the age of 84. So, uh, uh, you know, and look, the older I get, the more they the more they drop. But uh, again, I, I had a lot of respect for for Colin Power Powell, despite the whole Iraq thing. Um, all right. Let's get to sports from yesterday. And the Los Angeles Dodgers find themselves down two games to nothing to the Atlanta Braves after the Braves walk it off for the second consecutive day. Last night, it was Eddie Rosario who did it uh, with an absolute bullet up the middle off of Kenley Jansen that uh, Corey Seager could not get his glove on. It scores uh, Dansby Swanson, and the Braves win 5-4. Austin Riley was the hero in game one. This time, it's Eddie Rosario. And by the way, Eddie Rosario had a great game. Eddie Rosario was a guy that was no longer wanted in Minnesota. Went to Cleveland, got traded from Cleveland. Uh, a guy that I, you know, is a great defensive outfielder. His bat never lived up to, you know, what people expected. Last night, four hits, including that 105 mile an hour uh, missile off his bat that ended the game. So the series will now shift back to Los Angeles for Game Three Tuesday night. Now, uh, the Teams that have taken 2-0 leads in best-of-seven postseason series, 73 of the 87 teams that have led 2-0 in a postseason in a seven-game series have gone on to win. 73 out of 87. Uh, of those 14 that lost, one of them is the Atlanta Braves, and it happened last year. If you remember, they were up 2-0 on the Dodgers. They were up 3-1 to one on the Dodgers, and the Dodgers came back to win that series and uh, go on and win the World Series uh, so this is not over and game three on Tuesday, it is advantage Dodgers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Look, Charlie Morton. I, I, I love Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's a guy who went to uh, high school here in the state of Connecticut, went to Joel Barlow high school in Reading. Uh, but, uh, he's going against Walker Bueller, who you could make the case outside of Max Scherzer is the ace of this Dodger team. Think about that for a second. You know, Clayton Kershaw was the face of the Dodgers pitching staff for so long. And then Walker Bueller came along a couple of years ago and has really made a name for himself. And then they make the trade for Max Scherzer. And uh, so all of a sudden, Clayton Kershaw is an afterthought. Of course, Kershaw's hurt in this series, not playing anyway. But uh, Walker Bueller is going to beat Charlie Morton on Wednesday night. Now, the caveat to that is the Dodgers have got to start hitting with runners in scoring position. It's killing them. The first two games of this series, they are 2-for-18 with runners in scoring position. You are not going to beat anybody if you do that on a consistent basis. They were 1-for-10 with runners in scoring position last night. You know, I mean, it was... uh, They just have not been able to get the big hit. Now, there's a lot of people that were criticizing Dave Roberts for his decisions last night with the pitching staff. A lot of people didn't understand why Max Scherzer was out of the game in the fifth inning after just four and a third. 
and throwing just 79 pitches. Now, it worked out in that Vessia came on, did a great job getting out of the fifth. Joe Kelly comes on, a scoreless sixth. Blake Trinan, a scoreless seventh. I mean, so it worked. However, Max Scherzer had thrown 79 pitches, and, and I saw somebody say, like, well, you know, he's pitching on two days of rest. Let's relax here a little bit. He threw 13 pitches to get that save in game one. I mean, in game, yeah, in uh, uh, game uh, five of the NL Division Series. So he had a couple of days off. Let's relax here. 79 pitches. Those 13 pitches he threw a couple of days ago, or you know, a few days ago, meant nothing. As, as Will Middlebrooks pointed out on social media last night, he would have thrown more pitches than 13 in a bullpen session between starts. So fatigue was not an issue here. But what we're finding, and this is baseball in 2021, it's one of the things that drives me crazy. And, and look, it's always been a case where you have a shorter lease in the postseason than you do in the regular season, but it has gotten absurd. It really has. And we're not, I don't know if it's ever going, I don't know if you can put the genie back in the bottle. You know, unless Major League Baseball does something about limiting the number of pitchers that you can carry on a roster, I mean, it's crazy. The Dodgers used seven pitchers in the game last night. The Braves used eight. Fifteen pitchers in a, in a damn playoff game. It's just ludicrous. The same thing happened in game one. The same thing happened with the Red Sox in both games. But pitchers just, I mean, thank God Nate Evaldi pitched into the sixth inning. For the rest, I mean, but that's where we've come in 2021, and it's frustrating as all hell. So Dave Roberts is getting some heat for Scherzer coming out. I, 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 yeah, I gotta, I agree. If Max Scherzer is the ace of your team, Max Scherzer is the guy that is supposedly going to win the Cy Young in the National League this year. It's either going to be him or Corbin Burns from Milwaukee. He is your, he's your stud. He didn't pitch badly. He made one bad pitch. He gave up a two-run bomb to Jock Peterson, and Jock Peterson in October is money. There's no shame in giving up a two-run bomb to Jock Peterson. And I love Dave Roberts. You know, some, a lot of people hate the Dodgers. They call the Dodgers like the Yankees of the West. And I can't hate the Dodgers. Why? Because, I, well, Dave Roberts is one. Mookie Betts is another. The fact that for 60 years, Vince Scully was their play-by-play guy, and I am a huge Vince Scully fan, and I listened to a lot of Dodger games just so I could listen to Vince Scully. So I have, I have some fondness for the Dodgers. I always have. Yeah, and I know they spend money. They're spending more money than the Yankees, for God's sake. I get all that. But you know what? You know, and they'd be, call them what you want, the Yankees of the West. That's fine. Call them that if you want. They still didn't win the division this year, just like the Yankees. So, you know, I, I can't hate them, and, and I can't hate Dave Roberts, but I can certainly question pulling Max Scherzer after 79 pitches. I think you got to let him finish the fifth. I think you bring him out for the sixth. Then if he gets in trouble and he's into the you know into 90-plus pitches, get him the hell out. But it's Max Scherzer. This isn't, you know, look, Ian Anderson is a guy who is – a young kid doesn't have a lot of postseason experience. I have no issue with Brian Snitker pulling him after three innings, you know, three hits. He'd walk three guys. He wasn't sharp. You know, that I have no issue with. 
He's a young kid. Max Scherzer is a stud. He's been in this league for a long, long time. He's probably about to win his fourth Cy Young. Leave him in a damn game. Having said that, the bullpen did a good job until, you know, and then the next question is they went to Julio Urias in the eighth inning. He ends up giving a cup, up a couple of runs, and, uh, you know, they got to get him out. He starts the ninth inning. They get him out. Brewster Gratterall comes on for the ninth in a tie game. You're not going to bring your closer in. That's the other thing people say. Why wasn't Kenley Jansen in the game? Well, Kenley Jansen, first of all, he's the guy that gave up the 105-mile-an-hour bullet to Eddie Rosario. But it's not just that. It's a tie ball game. You're going to save Kenley Jansen. If you get a lead in extra innings, then you want your closers. They bring in Brewster Gratterall, who's been, you know, good during the season. He struggled in the postseason. Okay. But he throws 100 miles an hour just like everybody else out of the bullpen these days. I didn't have a problem with that either. You know, and what is he, you know, he gave up a broken bat single to Travis Darno. It wasn't like, uh, you know, he gave up some, you know, meatball. He threw a 101-mile-an-hour pitch, and Travis Darno breaks his bat and gets a single to center. They bring in a pinch runner. Uh, uh, Dansby Swanson can't get the bunt down, but then Seager uh, gets to, I mean, I'm sorry, Swanson gets to uh, second base on a ground ball out to uh, Heredia. You know, and then so they go and and they get Kenley Jansen because now it's like, well, we got to save the game. There's a runner in scoring position. Eddie Rosario's got three hits in the game. We don't have any choice. And Rosario, you hey, tip your cap. So, but again, game three, advantage Dodgers, no question about it. You know, the Dodgers find themselves in a bit of a quandary here. You know, what are they going to do? You know, after you get past game three, then what? You know, are we going to, uh, is it going to be an opener? What are they going to do? You know, and but that's what we're finding in, in all these, with the exception, and, the, you know, and the funny part is, is the Dodgers, you know, have gone with an opener a couple of times. They've used uh, uh, Corey Knable as, a, as an opener a couple of times. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, could they start Urias in game four? I suppose they could if, they, you know, they'd stay away from him in game three. Orius only threw 14 pitches yesterday, but then, you know, and they've got an off day. And if you don't pitch him in game three, he'll have two days off after only throwing 14 pitches. You probably start him in game four, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, and some of this may depend. I mean, look, if, if I think I think there's no question he has to start four. I mean, I suppose they could go with an opener and then bring him out of the bullpen. And he's pitched out of the bullpen before, but this is a guy who won 20 games this year. And we're dicking around with them, you know, uh, just start them. You know, I, I, you know, in a desperate situation or, or, or a, a clinching situation, Dave Roberts went to Max Scherzer to get a save in the, in the division series, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, I think that's part of the problem that we have now is nobody's got defined roles other than, you know, a handful of starters. Everybody, you get to the playoffs and it's, it's just uh, – it's a free-for-all. And look, there is 
something to be said for knowing your role. There's guys in the bullpen that want to know, am I the closer? Am I not the closer? Am I the eighth inning guy? When am I coming? You know, and, and they, everybody will say whatever they want. Like, well, I just want to do whatever the club needs me to do. I want to win. Yeah. Okay, I get all that. But there is something to be said for knowing what your role is. I'm sure Urias has got to be saying to himself, I won 20 damn games. You know, I'm, I've now come out of the bullpen like three times in the playoffs. What in the hell? Why am I not starting? Why are we trying to get cute? That's the part that pisses me off in, in terms of some of this stuff. Like, you know, and, and I don't, I, again, I love Dave Roberts, but it's, you know, let's not try to get cute. You know, they started Canable as the opener in the division series, brought Arias out of the bullpen. Why? You know, and, and he was like, well, you know, I thought the matchups would be better, you know, against the Giants. Look, and it turned out they won the damn game. So, you know, you're saying, well, Gene, what are you bitching about? But, you know, I think there was something, you know, there's something to be said for knowing what you're supposed to be doing and when you're going to pitch. It's different if somebody gets hurt, like what happened at Oda, with Oda Rizzi in Houston the other night. But, you know, I think, I just think that, uh, boy, we just pushed the panic button way too early in, in playoff baseball, in my opinion. Now, the Red Sox, after the beatdown of Houston, uh, in game two on Saturday. We'll have game three tonight. It'll be Eduardo Rodriguez pitching for the Sox. He will go up um, against uh, Jose Urquidy. Urquidy pitched well against the Red Sox this year. Erod did not. Uh, you know, and and uh, as Alex Cora points out, he said, look, the Eduardo Rodriguez that faced the Astros at the end of May and beginning of June twice, is not the same pitcher that he is now. Look, uh, in the two games when he faced them this year, on May 31st and then 10 days later again at Fenway Park, he allowed 12 earned runs on 13 hits. He walked five guys in nine and a third innings. 18 base runners and 12 runs in nine and a third innings in two games. Now, Alex Cora will tell you, he said, look, it's this is not the same pitcher. You know, he said his changeup wasn't good. Uh, he, he said the guy that we have now compared to who he was there uh, is a lot different. Velocity's up, changeup's where he wants it. And I can't argue with him because let's face it, Erod had an ERA of 6.07 in his first 14 starts in 2021. 6.07. Now, he finished with an ERA in the mid-fours, which tells you that for the second half of the season, he pitched much better. His final 18 games, he had an ERA of 3.60. He's also going to have a couple of extra days of rest. Um, so, and I said this to somebody the other day, you know, we, we always had this in Alex We Trust thing. You know, when they won the 2018 World Series, everything that Alex Cora did turned to gold. We've seen some more of that magic this year. Not as much, but we've seen some more of that. And, you know, look, uh, what's the better option? I don't think Nick Pavetta is a better option. A lot of people think he is. I don't. Look, Nick Pavetta had a nice uh, stint out of the bullpen for Boston. In the ALDS, I get that. But to me, Erod's still a better pitcher than Nick Pavetta. 
And the other part of it is is that if Pavetta pitched Game 3, then they would have Erod in Game 4 and Sale in Game 5, so you'd have back-to-back lefties. They didn't want to do that, uh, especially with that uh, uh, heavy right-handed lineup that the uh, uh, that the Astros can throw out there. So I, I get it. And we just have to hope that that's the case. You know, and then we also have to hope that Kike Hernandez continues to remain unconscious. Whatever coma he is in, the Red Sox need to hope he doesn't come out of it. Seven playoff games this year. He is 16 for 32 with five home runs. He did it again on uh, on Saturday. I mean, this guy just continues to get on base. It's un, it's it's unfathomable. Now look, and people say, well, you know, hey, he was great for the Dodgers, and he was. If you remember in Game Seven of the NLCS last year, he had a big home run in the sixth inning uh, that helped the Dodgers knock Atlanta out and get to the World Series. Uh, at one point in uh, 2017, uh, game five, he had three homers. So, you know, it's not like this guy hasn't done it in the postseason before. He obviously likes the big stage. But uh, this is, look, he's doing things that we haven't seen since Big Poppy. Somebody said, oh, I don't remember who it was that coined this. I don't know whether it was Tom Karen or somebody said that maybe he's earned the name, you know, Little Poppy. But whatever it is and whatever he's got going, I hope he changes nothing. And, you know, look, it's been great to see, you know, that game on Saturday to see uh, J.D. Martinez with a grand slam. Rafi Devers with a grand slam. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And the Astros are in trouble. You know, um, they la- they lost Lance McCullers Jr. to an injury. He's not even on the roster for the the ALCS. Luis Garcia had to leave game two in the second inning with a sore right knee, but he left with a sore right knee after that game was already, you know, uh, deep in the Red Sox' favor. Now, he did throw a bullpen session yesterday. Dusty Baker said he feels better, so uh, there is hope that he still will be able to pitch. Urquidy will go today. Uh, and then what they do in game four, we don't know. It was supposed to be Jake Odorizzi, but Odorizzi had to come out of the bullpen uh, when Garcia got hurt and uh, threw like 80 pitches. So he is not going to be available for game four. So what do they do? Framber Valdez, I guess, could go on short rest. They do have, you know, a lot of people forget, but sitting in that bullpen – you know, they've got a guy who has won a Cy Young Award. You know, I mean, there are options out there. But what do they do? I mean, is Zach Greinke going to be the guy for game four? I mean, you know, look, he's won a Cy Young, for God's sake, and but he throws up a lot of crap, and he finished the season terribly. I'm going to say his ERA down the stretch was something like, you know, over nine. I can't remember what the exact numbers are. but So they have some pitching issues. There's no question about it. You know, they have to hope that Garcia can come back 
Uh, and, and whether they throw Valdez in game four may depend on if the Red Sox win game three, does Houston push the panic button and go to Valdez on short rest? I tend to think they won't. I tend to think that they're either going, I, I think they're going to probably go to Zach Greinke. I don't see they have a lot of other choice unless they try to bullpen it for nine innings and, you know, I guess that wouldn't surprise me either in this day and age. But uh, uh, so Houston's in trouble. There is no question. I mean, you have to. You would have to think right now. Advantage Red Sox. And one other thing before we uh, take a break and come back and talk about uh, yesterday's football games. Something has to be done about what Jake Odorizzi did on Saturday after the injury when he basically took 15, 20 minutes to warm up, and I know he's normally a starter, but he was out on that mound doing long toss. And Look, they give guys as long as they need to get ready, and I know he's normally a starter, but you cannot. And, it, look, it worked out for the Red Sox, you know, so I, I don't want to go crazy here, you know, because, you know, Evaldi didn't get affected by it, really. But at the end of the day, what the Astros did and what the the umpires allowed them to do by Odorizzi warming up as long as he did and basically putting uh, Native Aldi on ice, I mean, it was like a half an hour before he got back on the mound because of what they did in terms of allowing him, you know, to uh, to, to work out. And take as long as they did. That's a problem. So I think Major League Baseball is going to have to uh, address that, and, and I hope that they do. It's 32 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. And uh, if you are a New England Patriot fan, uh, not exactly a happy Monday morning. I, you know, I have such mixed feelings about that Patriots game yesterday. Part of me is um, proud of the fact that they hung in there. You know, I did not think they had a snowball's chance to win this game, to win this game. And if you would listen to our show on Friday when I was talking to Dan Zampano, I think the Patriots were three and a half point underdogs, and I said, I don't think that's enough. I thought that they were going to get absolutely drilled. Um, however, and, and, you know, I have to give them credit for hanging in there. And if not for a stupid interception late in the game, perhaps they win it anyway. Uh, Trayvon Diggs picked off Mac Jones and ran it back for a touchdown to give Dallas the 26-20 lead. Now, Mac Jones responded uh, with a 75-yard touchdown pass on the next play to Kendrick Bourne to put uh, the Patriots back up. They go for the two-point conversion, and they lead by three. But, hey, look, Dak Prescott had a game and a half yesterday, threw for 445 yards, three touchdowns. And... Uh, <laughs> It was, you know, he did everything that he had to do. Greg Zerline ties it up. 
And then uh, Dak Prescott with the touchdown pass to C.D. Lamb in overtime, and game over. But, so I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm happy that they hung in there. However, they gave up 567 yards of offense. I repeat, 567 yards. The only reason Dallas only had 35 points and the only reason this game went into overtime is because the Cowboys continually shot themselves in the foot. The penalties yesterday against the Cowboys were ridiculous. 12 penalties for 115 yards. And, you know, the Patriots did make a couple of nice stops in the red zone. I'll give them that. But they gave up a franchise record 567 yards. So how excited can you really be? They did not get to Dak Prescott the entire day. They pressured him a little bit, but basically he was back there able to do what he wanted to do. Time of possession lopsided in Dallas's favor. Uh, you know, so 32 first downs for the Cowboys, 17 for the Patriots. Patriots got a punt blocked. You know, the Patriots were fortunate to be in this game. And, you know, look, Mac Jones, you look at his numbers and you go, well, you know, and, and you look at the quarterback rating and you go, well, you know, 15 of 21, 229 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, yeah, you know, quarterback rating of 118.9. Not bad. You know what? It was, it's deceiving a little bit. 75 of those yards were on one play. Now, some people are calling that a lucky pass. I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. Ben Volan, who, by the way, is, you know, uh, ridiculous in the Boston Globe with, with his criticism sometimes. You know, I would not call that a lucky play. I think it was a well-designed play. They knew what the Cowboys were in for coverage, and they beat it. You know, why can't you just tip your cap to Mac Jones and say, hey, nice pass, kid? Now, having said that, Mac Jones did, you know, miss on a couple of plays that uh, he shouldn't have. Uh, you know, the uh, the pick six when you're when you're up and you're trying to milk the clock. Now, look, maybe, you know, the Patriots don't get a first down. Maybe they got a punt. Maybe Dallas comes down and wins the game on a field goal in regulation. I mean, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. We don't know, but that's still a bad interception with just over two minutes to go in the game. I mean, it's just, that's not even debatable. But at the end of the day, the Patriots have got to figure out this defense. This, if Houston, we have a problem. You can't. You just can't give up that kind of yardage on the ground. It's ludicrous. You know, I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, again, another one of those guys that has to be in the MVP consideration along with Kyler Murray, you know, along with uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, no question that, that he had a great game. But this Patriot team has some defensive problems. They, they can't. Their secondary is just brutal. And I knew CeeDee Lamb was going to have a big day, and he did. 149 yards receiving. 
you know, 149 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He was targeted 11 times, caught nine of them. You know, uh, they did a pretty good job on Ezekiel Elliott early. He only ended up with 69 yards rushing. But you know what? You add that with Pollard and with what Dak Prescott did, they still ran for over 100 yards. I mean, it, it just it, they beat the Patriots defense at everything. <laughs> everything. You know, if it weren't for the penalties, this game is over long before it was over. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know this. They're in trouble. They're 2-4, and four, you know, and, and you say, well, we're not panicking. They're 0-4 in Foxborough. The last time they were 0-4 in Foxborough was 1993. That's 28 years ago. They're 2-4, and four, and their next game is against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are going to be pissed off. The Chargers are in first place in the AFC West, and they got drilled by the Ravens yesterday, embarrassed. You know, after, uh, you know, beating the hell out of Kansas City and, you know, getting themselves in, in position, and people are saying, well, they may be the best team in the AFC to getting uh, scoring six points yesterday, getting beat 34 to six. So the Patriots are going to be playing a very pissed off team when uh, they face the Patriots on the 31st of October. You know, the Patriots, uh, you know, are going to be two and five. Matter of fact, as I said, with the, this stretch of games they have coming up, they may be, Three and seven at best. And the season's over because they're not going to win the last seven games and somehow sneak out a, a playoff uh, berth. So, you know, and you, you begin to question whether they will be able to pick up more wins than they had last year with Cam Newton at quarterback. Now, don't get me wrong. Mac Jones is not the problem here. Mac Jones has been just fine. Mac Jones is completing 70% of his passes. I know they've, you know, they've kind of babied him, but he did throw the ball down the field a little bit more yesterday, which was good to see. But, I, you know, there's no debate whether they'd be better with Cam Newton. They wouldn't be. Okay? So that's, let's start with that. The problem isn't the offense. The problem is they can't stop anybody. You know, and, and I I thought this defense was going to be really good. I Look, I knew the secondary would have its challenges. I didn't expect them to be a train wreck. And, you know, giving away Stephon Gilmore for a bag of footballs for a sixth-round pick to Carolina uh, is embarrassing. You know, uh, this was just about uh, Bill Belichick not wanting to deal with it. You know, this is Bill Belichick, the GM, being an idiot. And that's just, you know, it, there's no question he could have helped that secondary. You know, and the fact that Bill Belichick's pride, and I just, I'm sorry, folks, there's no other word for it. This is Bill Belichick's pride getting in the way. And uh, a guy that could have helped this team going forward you got a sixth-round pick for. So I'm concerned. 
you know, and as I said, the Chargers yesterday got embarrassed. Lamar Jackson was not great. Okay, let's let's uh, let's be honest. Uh, you know, the week after having a, a fantastic game, uh, he was just so-so yesterday. Back, actually, he wasn't even so-so. He was not great. He threw a couple of interceptions. Uh, did run for 51 yards, but he was 19 to 27 for 167. He got sacked three times. Uh, so, uh, you know, he wasn't great. But this Baltimore Ravens defense just ate Herbert's lunch. You know, and J- Justin Herbert uh, had one of the toughest games of his young career. Look, he's only started 21 games. But the Chargers couldn't run the ball at all. So they, you know, and they got behind early, and then they had to just abandon the run. But 12 rushing attempts in the entire game for 26 yards. You know, Herbert threw it 39 times. He was 22 of 39. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. 208 total yards of offense. Neither offense was was spectacular yesterday, but the Baltimore defense was just uh, smothering. You know, they sacked Herbert twice, you know, and they just did not give the Chargers any time. Even when they weren't sacking Herbert, he didn't have any time. The Chargers had the ball just 22 minutes in this game. You know, and uh, penalties were not an issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are plenty of turnovers in this game. You know, and at the end of the day, uh, the Baltimore defense won this one, 34-6. Now, so the Ravens are 5-1, and one, and they have to be in the conversation. Are they the best team in the AFC? And I think Dan Zampano thinks it's Buffalo. I think, it might, I think it's Baltimore. I do. And, and, and I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, maybe a little bit, not as much as, uh, as uh, or maybe not, uh, uh, Dan Zampano's not quite as big a fan as I am, but uh, at the end of the day, this Baltimore defense is really, really good. They're allowing just 20 points a game. Uh, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, not just in the AFC. And I think right now they might be the team to beat. You know, people will argue it's Buffalo, maybe. But right now, if I like, if I'm a Ravens fan, I like where they sit right now. And, uh, you know, you look at this schedule for them, and they're, you know, outside of the two games they have with Cleveland, and Cleveland's a big question mark right now. They've got a lot of injuries. uh, uh, Baker Mayfield got hurt. They've got running back issues. Uh, but you look at this, I mean, outside of the games in their division, and you'd have to say, well, Pittsburgh is, you know, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, right? Uh, they've got to play Pittsburgh twice. They've got to play Cleveland twice. Okay, I get that. But you look at their other games, you know, uh, we'll find out what they really are when they have to play Green Bay in December. They've got, of their last four games, they have two real brutal games, Green Bay and the Rams. But if you are Baltimore, you're thrilled because both those games are in your stadium. But right now, I think they are the team to beat in the AFC. It's 47 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the guy who might be the odds-on favorite right now for MVP in the NFL, and that is uh, Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, he kept things rolling yesterday. We'll get to him when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Got a few minutes left this morning before uh, we head out. <laughs> I got a, uh, 
I got to vacate the premises. We got more showings uh, this morning as uh, uh, we we continue to look to get ourselves out of here and get ourselves down south so I can uh, rejoin my wife. This bachelor life I'm living, it's just uh, tell you what, you get used to uh, to not being by yourself. And now I'm talking to the cats and talking to the walls and talking to you. And that's what I got because my my wife is 900 miles away and I can't wait to get this place sold and be able to get down there. Uh, all right, uh, Kyler Murray yesterday. Four touchdown passes, no interceptions. And the Arizona Cardinals uh, beat the Cleveland Browns and beat the hell out of them, 37-14. to 14. Now, uh, the caveat to all this is that they started the game, the, the Cleveland Browns did. They already didn't have uh, Nick Chubb. He was out with a calf injury, and word is that calf injury could be pretty bad. So they have Kareem Hunt. He ends up going to the locker room in the fourth quarter with a calf injury as well. Now, prior to that, 14 carries, 66 yards. He was averaging 4.7 a carry, but here's the thing. Uh, By the time he left the game, this game was over. When he got hurt, the Cardinals were already winning this game uh, 30-14. to So, you know, it wasn't like uh, Kareem Hunt leaving this game was the difference. Baker Mayfield... Uh, got hurt yesterday. He hurt his non-throwing shoulder, left the stadium in a sling. Uh, but he wasn't great prior to that. He got sacked five times, 19 for 28, 234, a couple of touchdowns, an interception. Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt yesterday, left the game for a little while with a shoulder injury. He ended up coming back. But uh, the, the story of this game was Kyler Murray. I mean, he just continues to put up big numbers, and he's not – making mistakes he's not a turnover machine you know that is the key as far as I'm concerned and you know the Browns yesterday the other thing that hurt them penalties nine of them 90 yards so at the end of the day uh you know Mayfield and company put up a a great effort last week against the Chargers and some people thought they got jobbed losing that game uh, because of the pass interference call late in the game, which, you know, look, it was, uh, it, in my mind, there's no doubt it was questionable. But now the Cleveland Browns have lost three straight. And they find themselves behind the Cincinnati Bengals, of all people, uh, in the AFC North, now tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have suddenly gotten hot. So the Browns are concerned, and they should be concerned. If Baker Mayfield... You know, he says he's going to try to play through that separated shoulder, and it is his non-throwing shoulder. But, man, you know, I don't. if you're the Browns, how can you let him do that? You know, maybe you try to uh, suck it up for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, and here's the thing. The, the, the uh, Broncos are coming in to Cleveland for a game on Thursday. So I don't know, you know, what, four days later, Baker Mayfield's going to be able to play? I, I tell you what, if I'm the, the Browns coaching staff, I'm going to think twice about that. I'm going to think that I'm giving him Thursday off, and we're going to hope that we can get past a banged-up Denver team and a Denver team with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater threw three interceptions yesterday. Teddy Bridgewater is likely to give you the game uh, as you are to win it. If I'm Cleveland, I'm giving Baker Mayfield this week off, period. 
And then I'm going to hope that having 10 days off between the game against Arizona and then playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Halloween, I'm going to target and give him that time off and say, okay, look, you're not playing against Denver. We'll bring you back the following week against Pittsburgh. That gives him essentially 13 days off. It's not going to completely heal, but he is going to be a hell of a lot better in 13 days than he is in four days against the Denver Broncos. So if I think I think if you're Cleveland, you have to be very careful here. This season's not lost, right? I mean, this is, you know, you still have plenty of time uh, to recover, you know, and you've got a fairly doable schedule. Look, I know, I know Cincinnati's 4-2, and two, but I, I still think that, you know, they're going to be able to win uh, twice against Cincinnati in the division. They have to play the Patriots. That's a winnable game. They have to play the Lions. They're awful. You know, they got to play Baltimore twice. That's going to be a problem. You know, look, they've got to play Green Bay. That's going to be a problem. I get it. But this season is not lost. But it is going to be lost if you throw Baker Mayfield back out there and he gets even more hurt. So I think you need to be very careful there. Uh, how about the uh, the Raiders? They upgraded at head coach. <laughs> uh, Rich uh, Basaccia with their new, uh, with the interim tag. Uh, they get a win. They beat Denver yesterday 34-24. As I said, uh, uh, that was a case of Teddy Bridgewater handed them that game. Look, Derek Carr was very good. Threw a couple of touchdown passes, 341 yards, no ints. Uh, Bridgewater, three touchdown passes, but, you know, three interceptions. Got sacked five times. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. And, uh, you know, Denver now is in trouble as well. They got off to a good start. They've lost three in a row. And, uh, you know, the Raiders, good for them. Good for them. You know, you, you got the, you know, you I, I wondered how they would handle the distraction. And as Derek Carr said, he said, uh, sometimes when you get punched in the gut, it's hard to bounce back, but we were able to do it. And he said, what happened with John Gruden brought us closer. It showed. Absolutely did. So good for them. Uh, a, a solid win. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We'll have our report on the Red Sox Game 3 against the Houston Astros. We leave you this morning with some music from Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, a little pride and joy. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.